right. Fantastic. This is Barack Lurie, and this is the Lurie Law Podcast. With me is uh, my wonderful producer, Ari David. Welcome, Ari. Hi. So today we are talking just before the uh, Father's Day weekend, Father's Day, and I like Father's Day, of course, being a father myself, but, um, you know, sometimes it's a time to reflect, uh, not just to spend time with your dad, uh, but, but also to think about the wisdom of your fathers. You know, Dennis Prager says that uh, one of the great things about, that there are distinctions between what a father gives and what a mother gives. And mothers, of course, give nurturing. They, they give, you know, full-on support. And, you know, you're, they're definitely, you know, your, your biggest fan, so to speak. Um, but fathers are very different. They give you wisdom. And wisdom in many different ways. And that's what I'd like to talk about today is about what my father has given and uh, what maybe your father has given. You know, it, 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 even if you don't have perfection in your fatherhood, uh, meaning your father, um, sometimes, of course, fathers can be so bad, they're, they, they've abandoned you or whatever it is, but it's a different story. There are many fathers out there that have nevertheless given great wisdom. And hopefully you can see it through. For me, uh, I think of my dad. He, he is a great man. He is a great man. Thankfully, he's still alive and he's doing very well. He's sharp, sharp, sharp. And uh, he's just so wise, and he's always been very wise. And he was fascinated with wisdom. And in fact, it bugged me how much it, fa- it fascinated him to deal with wisdom. He wanted to always learn, learn, learn. And here's the thing I, I got to learn from him. The most important thing was time. He said there's nothing more valuable than time. What a, what a, what a revelation that was to me. What do you think? Time. I think that's a bummer. I mean, you know, you know, that's one of the, the double-edged sort of truth. You know, the, the Buddhist enlightenment or clarity is right. usually, oh, I have clarity now. But what are you clear about? Usually some pretty bad news that life will not last forever and you won't be this young forever. That's true. I mean, you also... You those also, two facts, as they say in urban parlance, sucks. Right. You know? Well, I mean, a classic example of that is that it's very hard to get very wealthy without some hard work. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Too. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, you would like to get wealthy just by sitting there and, and watching TV all day, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so you have to be creative. You have to kind of get some mojo going and, and do it. But time, time, time. I love that part. Uh, when, when my dad, I remember, you know, my dad used to make us go run around the the block, and he would, you know, we he would run with us. So we learned how to jog uh, before it became fashionable to run as a regular exercise routine. And uh, so we would talk. And one time, I just remember him saying something about, you know, I was doing something that I guess he imagined was a waste of my time. But he didn't say directly, Barack, that is a waste of your time. He just kind of said in more peripheral sort of way, he said, you know, there's only, there's only one thing that's truly important. And the most important thing is time. Because with time, you can accomplish anything. With time, you can... Uh, you can make the the greatest symphony in the world. With time, you can write the greatest book in the world. Well, time recalibrates your priorities. Because it, it, it certainly if does. If you have that perspective, no matter what you're doing, you have to ask yourself the question, what am I doing now and what are my other options? Right. And what is the best use of my time? That's right. I mean, not remember, not every, as you did in other podcasts, not every moment has to be 
slavishly working to right. attempt, accomplish a goal, but that's know, exactly am right. I working hard when I could be with my children? Am right. I, if my, with my children, what am I doing with them? Those questions that's have right. to be asked. That's right. It's a challenge. And um, you have to ask those questions and you have to be very concerned. And, you know, um, that, that, was, that really stuck with me. Uh, other things that he said were uh, things that, that were in passing. I, we once went, um, we went, so, went to a tennis event. My dad was playing tennis with this gentleman that uh, I guess he was doing business with one way or the other. And he was a very impressive guy. He came from what was then Czechoslovakia and uh, had done very well for himself and just just a really an extraordinary guy. He's one of those people that kind of saw opportunities and, and uh, was a good thinker and he was also a very big ph philanthropist. And the two of them, my dad was driving and the gentleman was uh, the passenger seat and I was sitting behind. And my dad described this man and he said, you know, Mr. Let's call him Smith. Because there's no way I can That's pronounce a Czechoslovakian name. name. No, no, totally Smith, yeah. Famous Czechoslovakian That's right. name. Classic. <laughs> so he said, Mr. Smith, uh, he started bragging about him, saying what an incredible man this man was. And he he built all these buildings. He invented this thing. He And not only that, but he also contributes to philanthropic causes. And he created a new foundation called such and such. And, and the man turns to me. You know, kind of this side. He goes, "Oh, you're you're too kind or a nun." He says to him, and he goes, I, "I'm not all that special." It says, "You know, I, I I got lucky." And my dad, with a wry smile, little pause, turns to me and he says, "You see, Barack, this man has earned the right to be modest." And I love that. I loved it. it That's was an a, interesting right. Uh... Yeah. That's right. This is the guy that, that you can, he could actually afford to be modest. And uh, I, I took that away, I took away from that because I, I was so impressed with him right away just because the way my dad described him and the way he was, you know, minimizing himself on that. Of course, you know, if he, if we were to try to brag about himself even further, I would think less of him instead of thought more of him. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, psychology. but that, that brings up a very interesting thing. I want to ask you about what you think of this. Mm. Uh, you've met my uh, dad, who's an impressive gentleman, like yes. you are. And my dad well, isn't you. always... I'm not all that great. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, no, no, for those Too kind. For those of you who've met your wrath in the legal system with you... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a velvet hammer, not a hammer. <laughs> um, but he always preached how important it was to always be humble. And I always found that to be an incredibly admirable thing. You show people what you did. Don't tell them about it. But then, as I grow up and uh, facing the challenges of life in Los Angeles, say, and it, a, a, a town based on essentially the uh, it, promotion industry, advertising, right. entertainment, those things. How do you, and honestly, you're told, always talk positively. You know, tell people how excited you are about what you're doing. If people, if you're not excited about it, how are they going to be excited? So how do, would one, this was the conundrum I ran to, and I want to know what you think of it. How does one balance being humble to, to where it's not to a fall, where it's not obnoxiously humble, with uh, being... Getting the word out. A, that you, that yeah, a, 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 an effective uh, self-promoter without being self-aggrandizing. 
It is a balance. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's, it's a good way of putting it. Because with, with the Czechoslovakian gentleman, Mr. Smith, right. if that is his real name, right. he, like you said, he was at the point of being able to be modest because people knew he had accomplished X and he had accomplished X, so he wasn't in the business of trying to accomplish X anymore by telling people how good he was at whatever it was he was good at. You know, it's funny. There are many ways of doing that. If you happen to be successful already and then you, for example, give a lot to this or that philanthropy, philanthropic cause, um, and you and I know and love some of the same philanthropic causes, uh, then you get you find yourself with a mic in front of you sometimes, uh, or you might be in the board of directors all of a sudden. And then, um, you know, people, you get to say, look, I'm on the board of directors with uh, and I am on the board of directors with Stand With Us, for example, one of my favorite uh, organizations with the Jewish National Fund, with uh, American Freedom Alliance. Uh, you know, it, it, these things mean something to me, and I get passionate about them. And I think the end of the day is you just kind of end up doing. Don't, uh, don't brag about yourself. Just do it. Either you're going to be a good lawyer and uh, get good results, or you don't. And if you do get good results, guess what? People find out about it somehow. And that's what I'm finding is that people just refer business to people that continue to do well. That's that's what it is. If you do well by other people, they will they'll come. That 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 applies to uh, being a dentist, for example. Yeah, other people. The the word of mouth, the power yeah. of a reputation. Yeah. When other people say how great that, you that's are, right. not you say how great you are. I, I think that's yeah. that's what it but is. But it does get to a Zen moment of where do you how do you get that first client? How do you tell that first person? Right. Hey, I'm good at this. Yeah, you know. It, you know, without looking this, like an idiot. Right, right. Well, you know, that, that's a good question. Um, you know, I started my own practice, my own firm 10 years ago. I've been in practice for 23 years, a little bit more now. Um, but 10 of them were my own firm. So by the time I started my own firm, I guess, uh, what, 12, 13 years ago, 10 years ago, um, I already had um, a bit of a, a, you know, I, I hope a good reputation as a lawyer, and I knew how to strategize cases, and I got, I had already some good results. So people knew me, and I was able to say, look, it would be great if you could help me out now that I'm starting off my firm, and I just thank them for their, for their cause. Uh, you can also ask people to, uh, to speak for you, right? I mean, you can get testimonials as long as they're honest. People can smell what the testimonials are not yeah. honest, right? Um, so there, there are many ways of doing that. I, I don't think you have to brag. Uh, I don't think there's anything on our website that, that says how great we are. Uh, on the, if, what we do do is we say why we think we're different. Um, we focus on strategizing our cases, for example. Uh, we think that a lot of other firms don't strategize. And I think I'm just speaking of fact. Uh, we are very responsive to our clients. Um, we actually return phone calls. And I think a lot of lawyers don't. And I'm, I'm proud of that fact, that we can uh, respond. Uh, and, it, and it does set us apart from everyone else. But again, that's not false modesty, right? It's, it's not modest, but it's also not false modesty. Yeah. And, and that you have to uh, always respect. So there, there's the answer to your question. Yeah, I hope. so it's striking the balance and yeah. thinking it through right. with how you yeah. go about the... I mean, like, like when we talk today, for example, I, I don't think... Anything in our podcasts are uh, me or you um, saying uh, Barack uh, is the best attorney out there. And I think, I think what we do is we kind of showcase our beliefs. Uh, we try to advance our values, and I think people resonate to that. And if they resonate to it and they say, "Okay, this guy, this Barack guy, has the same values as I do," then 
maybe I'll, I'll give them some legal work. And if, if they don't, that's okay too. Um, uh, people, you know, when I first started off and I asked a lot of people, how do, how do you start a, a law firm or any business for that matter? How do you get new business? And one of the 20 people I interviewed on this said something very wise to me. And he said, do what you love. Do what you love and business will come to you. And I, I love that. That was very liberating. Yeah. And before I even before he even said that, I mean, he said, uh, what do you plan to do to get out there and to uh, get new business, Barack? So I said, well, I think I'll join this, the financial, the financial lawyers conference, the, the real estate division of the federation for, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And uh, I'll hobnob around there. And then he said, tell me something, Barack, do you, do you want to be there? Do you really want to go out there and do these things? I said, maybe not. I mean, but it's something that's necessary. It's part of my job to get the new business, right? And he, he's already shaking his head as, as he spoke. And he said, what do you love to do? And that, that's easy for me. I, you know, I love all things about Israel. I love uh, Jewish causes. I love uh, Christian causes. There are many Christian causes that I support. Um, I love the Wounded Warriors Project. That's a big deal for me. As you know, I'm a vegan, and I like some vegan causes out there. Not the animal cruelty causes, by the way, the health side of it. So please, uh, there, there's two different animals, as it were, in that department. And uh, I mean, I just, I have a lot of passions. Music, too, as you know. So, and mountain biking, that's right. So he said, just get into those things. Do those things. Do a lot of mountain biking. You know, go into the vegan uh, group that you, that you love so much and, and advocate for your cause. Go, go to the Israel, the pro-Israel lobby and, and, and uh, focus on APAC and, and, and spread the wealth around in terms of, you know, who you are and why you're passionate about these things. Then you'll get business. And I did. Yeah. He was 100% right. Oddly enough, I went mountain biking the very next day and I got a case, my very first case from... From that mountain bike ride. Yeah. It's kind is of funny. It, isn't it funny how, how effective it is just to follow the signposts that and have like a a, a sense of belief within right. you? We talk about faith and God and yeah. all that. And I'm not making just a, a simplistic one-to-one comparison that everything in life is an absolute signpost, but you, it could be. You right. Know? But if you just make yourself open, then things come to you. It's it's very true, and, and you have to make yourself open. Though you have to, um, you have to, you know. It's it's my my wife um, jokes around all the time that I am the parking Buddha, meaning that uh, whenever I come with her, somehow a parking space seems to magically open, and she's right. I, I, for some reason, I do get great parking spots, and I figured out the reason. I'm just looking around a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, I think some people. Um, they just see ahead of themselves, and I say, okay, I'm going to pause my car to the side, and then I'm going to look around, you know, 90 degrees uh, to my left, 90 degrees to my right, and, of course, in front of me, and also behind me. And surprise, surprise, you'll see more openings. You'll, you'll see at least, what, uh, three times, four times the amount of spots that you would otherwise look for. Right, rather than yeah. driving straight forward and passing right. 95% of the potential spots that could open a second later. Right. Here's another thing my dad taught me. Um, he was talking about uh, uh, Harry Reasoner, who in turn gave him the wisdom, and, and then he turned it to me. He he was remarking about Harry Harry Reasoner. He was a, a great uh, not talk show host, but he oh, was sixty a, minutes correspondent. Sixty minutes. He was yeah. one of the first uh, sixty minutes correspondents, and he was very involved in that at ABC. 
And he was a very big, big shot at ABC. And my dad tells me how Harry Reasoner once turned to my dad and said, you know, Renan, I have a lot of power at ABC so long as I don't use it. How about that? Yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice line and it's instantly, intuitively correct. Um, and if you, if you do have a lot of power and you start throwing it around, the more, uh, the more you're going to lose yeah, it. Well, power is like energy and it's yeah. potential. And the potential goes away when you discharge it. Yeah. And there are a few times it's worthy of being discharged. That's right. You, you really want to be circumspect about your power. It's perfectly fine that people know that you have the power. That's great. That's about where it starts. Oh, and also, here's the other side of it. If you have no power, but you try to use it, and you, it's like that old thing of opening your mouth and proving to people you're an idiot rather than just staying silent and letting them think it. Right. It's the same thing. If you try to discharge power you don't have, you'll show others you have no power. Yeah. And then they will go, oh, there is no power. Why should we, you Why know. should we take anything seriously about yeah. you? It's so true. Um, so these, these are words of wisdom that my father had. I, I, I guess I'll, I'll give one more as I think about it. And um, if there's one key thing my dad is all about is an appreciation for exploration, for innovation, and creativity. He, he, throughout our entire lives, used to say the most important uh, mission in our lives is to create. And we resisted that. All of us, all the kids resisted that. Um, we just felt it was too simplistic. Um, well, also, it's your dad saying it. You know, it's our dad saying to your dad until you're older and you go, oh, yeah. darn, he was right. But you know what? He is really right. At the end of the day, as I appreciate God more and more, um, there, there is no other conclusion that one can come to than that our very purpose, our singular purpose, is to create. Now, creation comes in many different forms, of course, um, not, not just in the sense of being a great artist or, you know, building uh, a building, um, but creating, meaning moving, moving the needle forward. Um, being the best athlete is, is a form of creation. Uh, writing a great book, uh, being a good lawyer. Helping others helping learn others. things and make connections so they can be prosperous themselves. Right. That's creating. Being a force for good. Yeah. One way or the other, you are being creative. It's, uh, and, and the way to know whether or not you're being creative, you can ask yourself intuitively, does God want me to do this? Right? Yeah. And the answer should come to you. And it should be. Oh, it, yes it, it or doesn't no. should come to you. It comes to you. It you comes know. to you. You know. You know. Yeah, that's true. You know. It's <laughs> when you're at the ballpark and you've had a little too much to drink and you're acting a way you shouldn't, you know. When you're with your children and you're acting the way you should, you know. Right. You know, we all know. You might not want to act good at the moment. You might be right. enjoying being a little bad now and then. Right. But you know. You may fall off the mark. But at the same time, yeah, you know what's what. What's yeah. right and what's wrong. And, and uh, okay. advancing that needle is, is very important. Being creative and, and to the point where it's, it's not that so much that you leave a mark. Well, maybe it is that you leave a mark. But yeah, you know, that, what, what, what is leaving a mark? I mean, leaving a mark is not necessarily I... I built that building. Uh, a lot of people can leave a mark by doing terrible things, right? They could. Charles Manson certainly left a mark. Yeah, Hitler, Stalin, Hitler, all those they guys. Left some marks. So it's not just leaving a mark. It's um, it's leaving the right kind of mark. the right kind of mark. Yeah. You know, where somebody can say that man, the world would have been a different place, but for that man, in 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 a in a in a worse way. 
yeah. if it weren't for him. Yeah, Stephen like, Jobs, uh, just I'm just throwing that out because it came to mind. You know what? A, what a strange world that would be had he not had his mother not boarded him. Right. I just thought of Stephen as opposed Jobs, to uh, ado- uh, letting him be adopted, which yeah. is exactly the story, by the way. And never entered her mind to have an abortion, but instead uh, gave him up for adoption. And thank God she did, because what a great world we have! What a what an innovative new world we have. My children would have been Jobs. a lot less happy without iPads. Than That's right. They are. We'd have they, other inventions, they, I suppose, yeah. but it would it wouldn't be the same. You're yeah. absolutely but right. But he gives, uh, you know, and this is a very shallow example. The amount of joy an iPhone gives my one year old daughter right. is stunning. The amount of joy she has, the giggling, the excitement she has when she sees a, a Steve Jobs product, she goes, ah, ah. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're, we filmed it's a, a few fun. of them. It's a perfect Apple commercial. And you can see the mark. This man has left on my child, who he didn't even know. Yeah, and, he, he uh, brought a certain elegance to, um, to technology that didn't exist before. Um, so it's not just Steve Jobs. It's uh, Well, Andrew uh, Breitbart's another one. Sure. You know? Andrew Breitbart, he's, he's such a great force. And, and Ronald Reagan... Uh, Lincoln, of course, yeah, Joe Thatcher, Washington, uh, Thatcher, the, uh, Churchill, Sandy so, Koufax, yeah, you know, but wonderful men and women that uh, that really just expanded the world. Uh, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Um, and what these people mostly have in common is they brought joy to people yeah. through either their courage or even if it's like a Sandy Koufax, it's baseball. Okay, it's not life or death, but maybe actually is because the joy that someone like Koufax brought playing the game, took people away from their misery sure. for those couple hours while they got to enjoy. Entertainment is a very powerful thing. If, yeah. um, and especially um, in, in comedy, in, in art and music, uh, I, I've always appreciated those people, those artists, whether they're musicians, artists, or uh, comedians, um, that, or, or directors of movies, that do something different and are, it's instantly appealing. Not just different, but instantly appealing. The Beatles are such a great example, right? They, they, it was so wildly different. And yet, as soon as it, it, they opened up that box, it was like, oh, yeah, of course. That sound is, it sounds so natural. It's such a wonderful, elegant melody yeah, when that you didn't hear, exist before. Right, when you hear that or you hear certain Mozart or Beethoven or Tchaikovsky sure. pieces, it sounds almost created by nature. Almost right. like... They just channeled something that should have existed. Right, yeah. What? But, and you forget the fact they slaved over this right. thing to make it perfect because it sounds like it, uh, uh, an old acting teacher of mine used to have a great term for it. He said the, he called it disguised virtuosity. Mm-hmm. Like there's a piece of art by your dad on the wall that the podcast listeners can't see, but I assure right. you it's there. It's so good. The caricatures he drew look like photographs. Right. They are the people. Yeah. It, it, there is Slobodan Milosevic. It's right, right. clear as day. And you can see he just channeled what is natural. But it's it's art. And, yeah, now, it, when, when he drew those drawings, his style, uh, it was really unique at the time. And uh, now to look at it, you know, it, it, he's, he is a classic cartoonist who had not done anything like that before. And and even even he, in his profession of political cartooning because a lot of listeners are saying okay so he was a political cartoonist great what's what's the big deal of that for time magazine well time, time. Magazine, newsweek u.s news world report yeah, Life you, magazine. Know, you know the big ones <laughs> yeah but but forgetting about the stature that he had he he created a whole different way I and mean, that was just a launching pad for him he ex, he exploited that's, that's a tough word um he um he saw opportunity in that that no other cartoonist or journalist ever used before. He was able to, from there, interview 
world leader after world leader and actually be very influential in many different ways. Um, he ended up knowing every great leader of the Israeli world. He, he interviewed Ronald Reagan. He interviewed Brezhnev, um, Carter, uh, Sadat. Um, I don't think he interviewed the Pope, but he could have easily if he wanted to. I'm just picturing him sitting down with Reagan and Reagan saying, so, Mr. Lurie, what movies did you see? Oh, yeah, I saw this movie called Star Wars. Star Wars, what a great idea for a defense initiative. Right, exactly. You know, something like right, that yeah. happening. Yeah. In many ways, I, I kind of joke around with my dad. My dad was a very intellectual version of Forrest Gump. You know, he just... Yeah, just falling backwards he just, into He just always places. fell into amazing places. And, uh, but, but no, he, he like, like the parking Buddha in me, my dad, on a much smaller level, of course, my dad was able to see opportunities that I think other people uh, would, never, uh, would never even think about. They just didn't expose themselves to the idea of saying, well, why not? You know, my dad said, look, I'm a political cartoonist. And um, he also noticed one day that people started um, looking at him, especially leaders, leaders that he, he drew. He looked at them. And so they looked at him with a little bit of awe and fear. Yeah, I was going to say a sense of healthy dread. Healthy dread. Knowing this guy can wreck me if That's I right. piss him off. Well, and, and to prove the point, my dad, it took my dad a moment to realize it. But very quickly, he grasped that. That's what was happening. And the proof of that is, it, in the old days when you read newspapers, right, uh, you wouldn't necessarily read every article, but you would always read the cartoons. The cartoons. You'd go to the cartoons first. First. There's a cartoon. Yeah. Boom. I'm going to read that. Yeah, the reason the... Uh, in music, the print industry is failing is because they haven't figured out what they should have done. Put the cartoons on page one. Right. It might work. <laughs> you know what Why I mean? Not? And there were times. I mean, you can see on the, on the wall right there, they did put it on the, uh, page one of uh, the German newspaper, for example, my dad yeah. worked for it, Die Welt. But um, he always found ways of, uh, of, of not just existing in the, in the, in the present um, of, of his, he, he always said, why not? Why can't I do something more interesting? And he would have, he was the most influential political cartoonist ever, but in ways, not even just as a journalist, he just, he just was able to gather up uh, political dignitaries of all kinds. Uh, it was amazing the people I was able to hang out with. I remember when I was, I think 16 years old, um, my dad said, you know, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Perez in, our, uh, in the hotel suite here. So have a seat and read a book or something. And there he was interviewing Perez. And uh, it was very interesting. And I, I heard it. Yeah, it was, Shimon Perez, not Pascal Perez. That's right, Shimon Perez. And I thought that was very interesting. And, and, I was, and it was all done in English, by the way. It was very interesting. Anyway, you get the idea. Creation, creation, creation. These are great gifts that my dad gave me. Um, it gave me tremendous perspective. And... Without him saying it, uh, he taught me that most things really don't matter. They just don't. The uh, chances are, very few things matter. Let's put it that way. Very few things matter. Here's what matters. God, your family, and... Uh, the amount of time you have. The amount that's, of time you have. That's really about it. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. Close friends. You know, and and uh, and if those friends are are sucking time away from you or not giving you value in terms of being kind to you and such like that, then life's too short and get some new friends. Life's too short. Get know. some new friends. And not and get different friends. Get yeah. some new friends. Yeah. You know. And 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 your health, of course. And that's it. 
That's it. it. It does not matter what kind of car you drive. It does not matter where you live. It does not matter. Oh, oh, come oh. on. Let's let's well, that. Sure. It matters. It does not matter what kind of car you drive as long as it's among a certain number <laughs> of high-end right. brands with Corinthian leather. And well, and that, that goes without saying, my friend. Oh, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> no, I, you know, obviously, but you know, I, I'm not saying that. It, uh, of course, it does matter in a, in a business sense, but the things that we worry about. Um, well, are not it, worthy. Most most of the time, they're not worthy of, of of being worried about. Well, it doesn't matter what kind of say car you drive or what you're wearing or things like that. As far as what other people think of you, who right in in the out there right on the street. Yeah. What matters is how you feel about it and uh, you know what. Is, yeah. Because there are people who collect cars like Jay Leno, and a car is very important to the man. That's right. No, he, 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 know, he loves it. He, lo- he loves it. He doesn't collect the cars because he's trying to impress other people. Yeah. Um, my dad is, is uh, he's got wonderful taste. My mom too. I mean, it's they're a phenomenal couple. My mom, I, she's just as amazing as my dad. Um, the things that she can do with real estate, she's a real estate broker. Um, and, but she's also a very creative woman and very uh, graceful and thoughtful and full of wisdom herself in a, in a very understated way. It's kind of cool. Uh, I'm very lucky. and had two great parents. Um, but both of them, they, they, they live in a, Beautiful place in New York. The place is very well decorated. Uh, they have exquisite clothing. They just look fantastic. And yet, they do it entirely for themselves. You know, they just... Right. This is what they want to wear. that's the right reason for yeah. it. They, they, they would never, ever do something because they're trying to impress somebody. Yeah. It's, it's really quite interesting. So... You know, and, and once in a blue that's moon. An, that's an interesting piece of wisdom that we've just so kind of stumbled on here. Yeah. Impress yourself. Just impress yourself. Are you impressed? If you're impressed, they're impressed. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, those are the words of wisdom, my friend. And uh, I truly appreciate my dad and my mom. And I'm, I'm really blessed, I understand. But truly appreciate your dad. And no matter what happens, how, how it was being raised by your father... Try to find the pearls of wisdom that uh, he gave you because there, there are some. And uh, try to look at the good side of it and uh, you will find some great, great stuff there. Yeah, and even the bad will give you some pearls of wisdom. That's right. That's true. Yeah. So it's better to know what to do than know what not to do. But all the same, you can learn, learn, learn. Thank you, Dad. Happy Father's Day.